Welcome to another episode of the Cleveland Moto Podcast. Brought to you tonight by my favorite element, helium. <laughs> Very good. I'm telling you, this, this is some good helium if anybody wants to take a rip. <laughs> a rip. It's hey, man, a, I'll, have a, I'll have a hit of that, baby. It's that corner right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my... <laughs> I can't come down, old man. I'm stuck. There it goes. Oh, Ow. man, the colors. The colors, baby. Whoa. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing more fun to a grown adult than helium. Uh, it's oh, at the bottom of one of the stars, John. I think it's the one that was curled oh, up. No, it's wow. right at the bottom. I th- it's either there or the one next to it. Yeah. That's going to leave a mark. Yeah, it's going to leave a mark where? In my brain. In your brain, yeah. Now go to the next one over. Go to the next teat. <laughs> In the middle of those. There you go, right there. Two. Yep, right there. Right here? I think so, yeah. We're trying to figure out which one I... It looks like the cat chewed it off. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. The cat didn't actually chew it off. Oh man, if I got if I just force fed the cat's helium, would they meow all? <laughs> That'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah, it'd be extra high. You get it? The, uh, I was reading about that guy that did the uh, lawn chair. Board. I don't think I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you did. I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> Maybe I did get it. <laughs> Maybe you did get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You might have got a little piece of it right oh, there. Oh, hey. So, uh, hot coals. Yeah, so we'll, we might have a call in, so we might have a, a guest caller who uh, sent us an email. And uh, in his email, he said uh, this would be a great podcast topic if you guys decided you wanted to do it. And then I, I promptly didn't do it. Uh, but it, basically, what he's saying is uh, he basically says, Well, I know mechanics hate it when you ask them questions and then give them no business. I hate it. <laughs> we need to save no that business. for the. We need to save that for the end theme. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, we do. We'll do our closing. We'll do our closing credits on helium. Who's next? So yeah. Uh, so they said, bring them the ensuing basket case. I really have few other options available. I'm purchasing a Suzuki GS500E. That is going to need some work, but I'm trying to do the work myself. I'm poor. I'm concerned because some maniac took the spark plugs sometime this year when he promised a local mechanic that he'd fix the bike for him and never returned. I'm concerned that rain may have entered the cylinder and seeped past the rings into the case. If I drain the oil and find water, is it possible to basically fill the engine with ACF 50 and then let it it sit for a while? Well, I can tell you the folks at ACF 50 would be very grateful if you did that because that's like $40 worth of ACF 50. Uh... And then cycle the engine minus the plugs, obviously, a few times. Let it sit some more and then drain. Would that help? Could serious resurrection Could serious resurrection be a podcast topic? Thanks in advance, even if it's just piss off. Jonathan Carden, Motor, Moto Squirrel is what he signs off as. So, well, have, well having a GS500E, uh, yeah, I would say get rid of it. Yeah, they're good bikes. They're, they're a solid twin. It's a solid Suzuki twin based on your Venerable's GS450E. The, <laughs> yeah. uh, but... So rather than swamp the whole motor with ACF 50, what I'd probably say is what we've said in the podcast before: swamp the whole motor with kerosene. Mm-hmm. Kerosene's cheap and readily available. It does the job of displacing the water and also lubricating the moving parts, and it'll help combat some rust. And realistically, if the thing's been sitting for a couple of weeks with kerosene in it and it won't crank over, yeah, it's done anyway. It's fucked. Take it apart. Good a, luck beating it apart. I had a tractor that I bought from some guys. Dragged it out of his backyard. Motor was seized like that. Yeah. I left the plugs out. I used uh, Croil. Yeah. Then I used um, kerosene. Yeah. 
and then I used Coca-Cola. Did you drain after each one of these? Yes. So you did croil first, drained it, right. so no luck. So you dumped this into the spark plug holes? Right. Yeah. Okay. And so you drained it, no luck, didn't start <coughs> up, didn't crank over. Right. You I... went to kerosene, no luck. You went to Coca-Cola. Right, no luck. Wow. I, I finally pulled the head off. Yeah. And I saw why none of this stuff would work. It was just so bad that I had to just take a two-by-four and yeah. pound the pistons until you broke yeah. the thing. Until you break just it. Because uh, like a bonding and almost yeah. welded the cylinder the rings almost welded to the cylinder wall yeah i've got a vespa motor right now that i got the top end apart i got the top end out but the bottom of the motor is the crank is completely fuckered i mean the crank is seized to the cases so it's going to be like somebody's going to have to beat this motor apart with a you know a lead hammer right you know and i've poured a bunch of shit in it we let it sit for weeks and you know that didn't work so i, I also heated the oil i yeah. stuck a I heated the oil up to like 220 degrees. Mm. I figured expansion. Right. I, I uh, drilled out a spark plug. I put a zerp fitting in it. What? And I screwed the spark plug in to yeah. a cylinder that had two closed way. valves, and I pumped grease into yeah, it. Yeah, and right. I was trying to use the hydraulic. That was the I tried one I had heard the farmer that I worked <clears throat> with. He had a cat uh, mm -hmm. dozer, and that's what he would do. So he drilled out a spark plug. He had a spark plug with a grease fit. And I used a pot. And put a grease yeah. on a grease fit. I put a pot on it. the right cylinder that's that top dead center right. with the valve closed. You got it, baby. Uh, but Shane just told me he's done that before. Bending the head, you yeah. know. Like, well, yeah. 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 The, 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 yeah, the spark yeah. plug with the grease fitting. Yeah. yeah. It'd fire up, and it'd just be like, blah, 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 blah. Wow. That cylinder would be Boy, that's, her, that's heroic. Well, because that's how I had a seriously seized caliper one time. I've I done was, that. I, I was trying to get it out, and Shane was over, and he's like, grab your grease gun. Do you have, do you have enough grease? I'm like, yeah, i got tons of it. And he said, just yep. put it over the, uh, the fitting, yeah. the bleeder fitting, and just pump it in there, and that, that it works. thing will shoot it out. It works a treat. You pull yeah. that bleeder valve out, you make sure it's good and clean, because you could have a problem mess. with the bleeder valve being rusty. But yeah. yeah, pull the bleeder valve out, make sure you can stick something through it, put that so much back in, and pump it up with a grease gun. The other thing my brother Mark did was uh, take a compression tester and mm -hmm. he has the quick connect on him. It yeah, absolutely. It kind of threads into the spark plug yep. hole, not the one Not to push in, yeah. So after you put all your coil or whatever in whatever yeah. particular cylinder, find out if one of them is at top dead center and then hook an air hose up to yep. it and let it pressurize it and pressure yeah. pressure lubes around the, the rings. And yeah, it'll push the lubricant. He said they hooked it up and just left it there. And then all of a sudden when it broke Oof. loose, it was going... <laughs> <laughs> It turned your motor into a backwards air compressor. Yeah. It's pretty cool. The uh, tonight's homework was uh, there's a lot Good of motorcycles work. coming out because ICMA, uh, the ICMA show in Milan, uh, the ICMA show is where the Europeans get a look at all the upcoming motorcycles before anybody else does. So it's where every manufacturer puts on display their <clears throat> eye candy for the next year. Now it could be a prototype you're never actually going to see, or it could be. This is literally going to be available to you in the spring. And this year, uh, there have been a number of really uh, incredible bikes, I, or at least, let's just say, extreme and outlandish bikes. Whether or not they're incredible or not, that's, you know, that's up to each person on their own. We're going to put pictures of all these in the show notes so you can play along just by going to www.clevelandmoto.blogspot.com, and that'll have all the photos for all the things we're going to talk about today in the podcast. The... The first thing, and I'm just going to open with it because it's insane, is the Ducati X Diavel S. And what they've done is they took the already somewhat 
psychotically styled Diavel, and they went. I don't know whether to call it full transforming robot, because uh, there's a. I thought it looked like a Judge Dread bike. It does look like a Dread Judge Dread bike. It also, to me, because there is an embellisher on the front of the motorcycle about where the radiator should be, a, a silver colored embellisher, and then there's another embellisher on the second part of the frame. That looks to me like the front legs of a puma and the back legs of a puma, and it reminds me of that TV show Voltron, where there were like the the five mm-hmm. cats that all came oh, together yeah. to be one fighting robot. Yeah, and it reminded me of like Pantera or whatever the hell it was, the black one. It looks like at any moment while going down the road, a fighting robot leopard could jump out of this thing. It looks like it's part he of the design. Called the Black Panther. <laughs> Don't call me the Black Panther. And that's that's only the beginning. I mean, there are photographs of this motorcycle, which has, I'm not even going to say an abbreviated seat. This is a disgusting joke of a seat where it has a pad on the back for a passenger. And this is one of those motorcycles that comes from the factory with an already pre-extended swing arm and a giant, ridiculous, like, 230 series tire on the back, this cement roller thing and if your passenger was on the back with no backrest no sissy bar nothing of that sort which isn't on the motorcycle and you gunned it with all of its torques and powers which it has plenty of 156 horsepower 96 foot pounds of torque okay there you go right so that's a heaping handful of both she's going to slide off the seat she's going to drop straight down and her butt is going to make a perfect contact with the top of the tire because there's no sub fender and she's going to get fed into what I like to describe as the genital reduction system. <laughs> because it is going to erase her butthole and her taint and everything else <laughs> is just going to get sucked into the genitals of the motorcycle on the top of that very big rubber grippy tire. <laughs> her genitals will meet but, the genitals mm-hmm. of the motorcycle. But does, but does his t-shirt say that the, the, passenger, the bitch fell off? If you can read, the, if you can the read this, the bitch in. is inside. The bitch slipped in. Here we go. The passenger portion of the seat is about six inches. The passenger portion of the seat might be six inches long. It's a ducktail off of the <laughs> right. main, big it, comfy seat. Longer exactly. than the dick of the owner. It, it really is. So we have our call-ins. So this is one of our, our call-ins. Hey, caller, uh, introduce yourself. My name is John. I'm from Florida, and I'm a complete and total motorcycle newbie. Nice. Now hey John, we got you your doing, we got your uh, hey, email you about your the Suzuki GS 500E. Did you buy that? Um, it's going to be coming home with me here in about a week or two. Okay, so we just I've been paying a very patient shop owner um, a little bit at a time as I could to uh, fling money towards uh, taking that thing home. We call that slow fucking them. Slow fucking them. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, that's exactly what it is. Some oh, people no, call it layaway. Tim well before that on that bike. That's yeah, the thing. So we talked about it, and we mentioned it just prior to you calling in, so your timing is excellent. We talked of about, course. realistically, I think rather than investing 40-some dollars worth of ACF50 in this motor, you should start with kerosene. And just uh, I, know we ta- I know we talked about it in a previous podcast, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, think that, I think that if you flood that motor with kerosene and give it a few weeks... And you're in Florida, so keeping it warm isn't a problem. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say if you flood it with kerosene for a few weeks, then try to start it. Is he by the co- are you by the coast? Uh, no, I'm actually a little further inland. Um, 
if you guys were at the new uh, where I four is, then you go to a little bit where uh, one comes over and meets up with another road that's near it and meets a little triangle. I'm in the middle of the top of that triangle. Well, I was just wondering. So I'm well far away from it. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about this, like salt, salt, <coughs> no. or salt mist in that motor. So. Right. So you are at a better advantage than you would be had you been on the coast. Well, and what's the length of time? Yeah. How long has it been sitting outside with with no plugs in it? Thank you. How long has it been outside with no plugs in it? Uh, I'm not really certain. Okay. Um, the, the shop owner said something. He didn't have a real firm, you know, timeline on it. Mm-hmm. It was one of those mechanic wombies, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to fix it up for you so you guys can sell it. And, you know, he came in and monkeyed with it, loosened everything, and I'm talking like all the, uh, like the tank is loose, the seat things are loose, and they monkeyed with it, couldn't get it started because apparently the S, that uh, GS500 has a small electrical gremlin, and if you know what you're doing, you can work around it. I've done a lot of research on it. <laughs> I've listened to you guys. Well, what I guess... <laughs> but, uh, I guess my best recommendation was after you let it sit for several weeks with the kerosene in it, uh, don't try to use don't try to use the electric starter to start this motor. Uh, it's all it has. That's gonna I know, but it has another thing too. It has physics. So we're not going to use yeah. the electric starter. We're going to put the bike in third gear. Bump start. And we're going to do or a real or fifth gear. Right, whatever gear you want. The higher the better, probably. And then you're going to rock the bike. And you're going to rock the bike forward and backwards, and hopefully that'll be enough to get the pistons moving. Because uh, you definitely don't want to be shooting any electricity at this thing, because you're going to find the weak spot in your wiring harness real quick. So I'd say, yeah. and you might actually end up blowing up your starter or sprag clutch in the starter or the Bendix. So rather than costing yourself more trouble, I'd say just try to just try to very gently, uh, with an extreme amount of violence, push the bike backwards and forward in like third or fourth gear and see if you can get those pistons moving up and down. That's yeah, because uh, one of the other uh, motorcyclists who lives in the area, you know, we, you know, he volunteered to help me. And as I, as I called it on the, uh, the forum I was on, help me throw wrenches at it until something happens. Right. We're poking with um, a screwdriver. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I didn't want to. Um, I know how to take the bike apart. I know how to get the engine out with just two people and, you know, not having any of the major tools that you have at a shop. Um, but I wanted to avoid tearing the engine apart if at all possible because that's where it gets expensive because you're replacing seals because I refuse to do it any way other than the right way, which is strip it all down, right. you know, strip it down to, you know, really nice and make it, you know, the way it's supposed to be. And I'd be looking at, like, a ridiculous amount of money just buying seals and all that. Right. So I was like, you know what? I've been listening to Phil for like two years, sitting here and admonishing people for doing stupid things on bikes right. and how you should be doing it properly. Right. So I'm like, the, how would yeah. Phil do it? <laughs> There's the right way and the cheap way. And definitely the cheap yeah. way is going to be spark plugs, you know, oil from the top where the spark plugs go in. I'm sorry, kerosene from the top where the spark plugs go in. Um, remove the carburetors and pump as much uh, turkey baster as much kerosene as you can into the intake track there's a 
two carburetor motorcycles. So you're going to want to, you know, you're going to hope that those valves are in a position where they'll they'll take the kerosene down into the cylinder as well. Plus, so I you mean, can get that. You don't want to fill the cylinder completely full of kerosene. No, well, I mean an, an, ounce, an ounce or something like yeah. that, so it doesn't hydrolock. You know, right. you, you know, yeah. if it does move, oh, okay. it'll yeah. only turn a half a turn, and then it'll hydrolock once it. You know, you yeah. can't compress a liquid. Right, exactly, and that's the. Well, hot, that's I the was thinking. Idea. I was thinking the uh, method that you mentioned before on your show where you had that, uh, oh, God, it was like a Honda Cub or something. It was sitting in some guy's basement forever. It was the bike he learned to ride on. You guys said you had a hoot and a half, but it was, like, biblically seized. And you you put ACF 50 in it, and you left the spark plug out. And you just basically you made it turn. Might not have been another one. But uh, you made it turn, and it shot it. Stop, and that's what I was thinking. Yep. I was like, I'll leave the spark plugs out, yep. you know, after doing whatever it is, you know, and see what happens. Yeah. The and other thought I had, real quick, was, um, I was thinking one of the ways to tell whether and pass all the rings any major problems would be to drain oil out. Well, yeah. Drain oil out, take a look at it, look, see, it looks like creme brulee or something. Right. And it's, then, like, mm. you know, if there's no other fluids in it, so it's like, put the seal back in, put fresh oil in. Yeah, you know, and then do the kerosene thing on top, and it, yep. that's still no problem. Mm-hmm. Well, you definitely do want to take cheap. the take the drain plug out, and I don't know if on this mm-hmm. motorcycle if you can get if there's a trash pump in the bottom or not. If there might be, if you're looking uh, at the bottom of the motor, there'll be an oil plug. There'll be an oil drain plug. That's pretty obvious yeah. what that is. It'll be a 17 or 19 millimeter bolt, and then there yeah. may be a plate, either a round plate or a square plate that has a couple of like eight millimeter bolts in it. You'll take where the oil yeah. filter is. Yeah, it could be adjacent to yeah. the oil filter. You take that off too. Basically, if it's just a plate or a door or a cover that goes into the bottom of the motor, there's no risk in removing it. Um, there might be another screen filter in there or a big spring, but that could be uh, that could be a trash pump there, and you definitely want to get that out because that could be full of garbage too. So I'm not yeah, totally um, I'll, uh, familiar I'll with the GS500. Yeah, but I yeah, would definitely I'll look say on the parts thing. Yeah, but definitely. I was say, do you have a manual? Do you have yeah. a part? You know, like look at your manual, see yeah. what see what looks. Well, like. I've got a very rudimentary PDF. Uh, I'm going to get a proper manual here soon. But I'm also on the GS Twins forum. Good. Which has nothing to do with it, with anything but that bike. Good. And they've been invaluable because they've been suggesting similar things. Well, yeah. you know, you want you want to look at this, you want to look at this, but none of them had a really good solution. You know, to you know, checking it aside from tearing it all apart, and they were even they were leery. They were like, "I don't know, you know, you could tear it apart." Because I don't have a bore scope. If I had a bore scope, I just stick it in there and take a look and go, "Oh, look, the sides look shiny, great." Or, "Oh God, the sides are rusted all to hell. I'm screwed." The bore scope, the bore scope is only going to show you the part of the motor that you don't want to <clears> see or you don't need to see. Uh, the bore scope can't go to the place where the corrosion edge, which is between the rings and the piston walls. Or the cylinder walls. Oh, those angry rings that you talk about. Yep, exactly. Well, the other thing can too cause thousands of miles of damage, you know, right. just in one crank. Exactly. You don't need a bore scope if you have a like, get a flashlight and look right. down the spark plug hole. Right. I mean, you can see a little bit yeah. of the inside. What do the inside of the cylinder walls look right. like? You can see. You can look at each side of the and see if the valves are open. See right. which one is at top dead center, which exactly. one's not, and get a little bit of an uh, estimation okay. of what's down in there just by. You know, just shining around with a, like a nice LED flashlight, you can get a little bit of, you could peer in there a little bit. Yep, that's exactly right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's uh, what I'll do there. That's solid advice. And also, by taking the carburetors off and by removing the boots, 
the uh, the carburetor intake manifolds. <coughs> you should yeah. remove those anyway. I know we talked about using wintergreen as a trick to yeah. revitalize that old, old rubber, and the rubber on this bike is going to be 30 years old. So yeah. um, you're going to want to take those intake manifolds off anyway, get them soaking in wintergreen. And while you do that, that will also give you an excellent vantage point to look at the position of the intake valves in relationship to the combustion chamber. You'll be able to see whether those valves are open or closed, and that's another great place for you to introduce some kerosene. Uh, and remember, there's the corrosion that's going to be happening in the cylinder itself, but there's also corrosion that's been happening up in the head. So oh, okay. you do want to make sure that you do get, if you're going to use uh, croil or you're going to use... Uh, and we always say start with the cheapest and work towards the most expensive. So you're going to start with, like uh, we just talked about before you called in, start with kerosene, and then you can move up to croil. You can you know move into the more uh, caustic and expensive products. But I think that with kerosene, I think you probably got a real good fighting chance. But just make sure you get this motor as, you know, your friends right now are warmth, wet, and time. So if you can get it warm and wet and give it a bunch of time then I think you got the greatest likelihood of freeing this thing with the least amount of damage possible. Good. Oh, on a completely side note, Squirrel. Phil, what was your lap time getting all the way there? All the way where? With what girl? All the way to Dustin's. Oh, no, I didn't. There was no Porco Challenge tonight. Uh, yeah, we did not do a Porco Challenge. I had to deliver a bike tonight. But I think... I think we may still, I'm not sure, was that the Bandit that pulled the best time? I think 17 minutes. 17 minutes, yeah. I think the yeah. Bandit won it as far as the best time ever. The Bandit uh, 1100. Yeah, because I, I always listen yeah. to see if there's a new one. Yeah, I haven't done it. I haven't <clears throat> done that kind of reckless application of power in a while. I can tell you, though, that the, the Moto Guzzi California Touring and the Bandit 1200 were both like neck and neck as far as the most irresponsible trip from Porco to here ever. Uh, yeah, you, you got to understand that my house and Porco are both by highway exits on the same highway. Right. So Phil basically leaves Porco, gets on the highway, hammers. Yeah, it basically takes me less than less than a minute to get from Porco to the freeway entrance, and it takes maybe five minutes to get from the freeway exit to Dustin's house if you don't have slow traffic. Hey, do you need a beer? Yeah, I remember you mentioned something like that. You just yeah. go and, you know... Get all hunkered down and just open it all the way up and just scream the whole way the, there. The whole concept with that is to teeter at the point between this is responsible. You know, it's and well outside. Off. It's so far away from legal, it's not even worth talking about. But it's just yeah. like the motorcycle could go faster, but I'm yeah. I'm not brave enough to do it. And it's about a, <laughs> it's about a, it's about a twenty mile run. Yeah, it's about a twenty mile run. So yeah. yeah you, you, I, yeah, you could do that pretty well. Yeah, it's uh, it. We haven't done it at anything that resembles an actual racing motorcycle yet. It's it's really about the. Yet. I know yet. Well, it, it's. It, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's mostly about like if you had a truly reckless operator who was willing to go 155 miles an hour, but I'm not willing to go that fast because there yeah. is traffic you on. You have sense. Yeah. Bumps. Yeah. Oh, there are there are a couple of bumps that we've discovered that don't exist until you're over 100 miles an hour. And oh, at I under bet. 100, it's not a bump, but over 100, it's a it's, serious fucking it, bump. It's, it's a, a jump. It's a ramp. <laughs> it's a ramp. <laughs> yeah. But, For me, the whole reason I'm getting this bike, speaking in places, the whole reason I'm getting this bike is because I just got a job at Amazon at their new fulfillment center, which is apparently going to be the most busy one in the world. Hey, that's going to be a drone hub? But, um, 
We but host. We host our site. Say again. We host our site with Amazon uh, AWS. Ha! Huh. I remember talking about the different services they had in the orientation. That was one of the things they mentioned. Yeah, we're on, we're on uh, S three. Yep. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I have so to go maybe you can hook us Santa. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be sure to check on that. I'm <laughs> flinging parts of bins. Right. But um, but I have to go from Tonona Santa. It's a long ass freaking name, and nobody spells it right the first time. Trust me. Um, from Tonona Santa all the way to Ruskin, which which is from Podunk to Podunk, basically. Okay. You know, one, one is surrounded by rednecks, and the other one's surrounded by old people. Right. And, uh, so that's <laughs> sounds like, like Ohio. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, like this morning, the drive in my cage. But uh, my drive all the way there was about thirty-five, forty minutes. Okay. You know, which isn't too bad. But the drive home is like you know an hour because I'm going at rush hour or just at the end of it. So it's just like oh god. And so I want something that I can ride that distance yeah. and not put all the extra wear and tear on my cage which is threatening to explode right so i figured well, like i might as well have some damn fun with it because if i'm gonna sit here and have to go down this road if i don't have fun i'm gonna freaking kill somebody right yeah There's... so i was like what's the best thing i can get well i remember phil talk you know if you can get you know a bike that's you know could be in decent condition or you know you're not you're doing pretty good so I've been listening to Phil for, like I said before, like two years, two and a half years. You know, as you guys have slowly evolved the show, and I listen to Wheelers and some of the other ones, that I've been sitting there building the knowledge base for two years. Yeah. I know, how to, I know things about bikes that other mechanics have stared at me like I'm a Martian because I know what the heck they are. Well, it's more fun to drive Not a bad like, motorcycle than a bad car. Oh, yeah. A right. bad motorcycle, at least you can have a little fun and fling wrenches at it, and there's only so much that can go wrong. A car? Uh, yeah. yeah, a car you know, is not the same as two motorcycles. A car is like 17 motorcycles. You can push a motorcycle. <clears throat> That's true. You can no, push no, no, a no. It's 17 bad motorcycles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> push it three miles down high. 90. Well, cool. Push it seven miles. That's, oh, yeah. Seven miles? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. I wouldn't push a motorcycle it. seven miles. No oh, way. No, I wouldn't push one seven miles. I'd call Phil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a phone. And it wasn't an option. Yeah, well, I... That'd be one hell of an expensive call. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for calling in. We're going to let you go. We've got to get back to our what other... What your name again? I'm John, also known as Squirrel. All right, Squirrel. <laughs> Perfect. Squirrel! <laughs> yes, yes. That's why I giggle every time you start... Oh, again... All right, man. Well, thanks. Sure. Remember to drive fast and take chances, John. You guys, too. Take it easy. We'll see you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. And if it's easy, take it twice. Oh, that was great, man. He's That's cool. Good for yeah, him. That's the, uh, there's somebody Good rolling up in a Tundra. Holy it's not my Tundra, is it? Uh, it's your Tundra. No, that's not my Tundra. It doesn't no, have my neighbor's. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, does, it doesn't have the shop, the shop name all over no, the sides of it. That's Gary. Oh, man. So uh, he's, he's he's the Harley guy that when he actually wants to seriously ride, he hops on his BMW. The BMW gets pulled out. Yeah, yeah that's cool. The uh, so uh, back to the Eichmann show. You know, um, Gucci's gone into this nine. There's this V nine, which is an eight hundred and fifty cc. I kind of wish they would have made it a nine hundred, but it's okay. 
I hate uh, when they do that. Uh, well, you know, uh, oh, it's a 900. No, it's really at least they're telling. At least they're not saying it's a 900. Like when Triumph came out with their 900, it was an 845 cc. Right. And that, I mean, when you're when you're fudging it over 55 cc's, up. yeah, when you're rounding 55 up, that's a broad round. Well, it's one of those yeah. things like with Honda. When I tell people like I punched out my CB 350, so it's 350 now. It's 358. <laughs> and they're like, well, that's not much. I'm like, well, no. I have to always explain to them that right. the original CB350 was a 325. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they just they rounded round up, up 12 or 14%. You know? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, it's like the what people do on their country. 670, so. That's right. That's exactly it. So, the yeah. The and the bobber. The Roamer and the Bobber. So the, I think the biggest difference between the Roamer and the Bobber, the V9s from mm-hmm. Moto Guzzi, the Bobber has a chubby front tire. And the Roamer has a tall front tire. And, and the Roamer has a long rear fender. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah. I, right. I looked at it. Yeah. The Roamer has a nice, like, long classic style, okay. like Honda style Would you rear say fender. that the Bobber has a bobbed rear the fender? The Bobber has a very bobbed rear fender. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the name. Yeah, I think the Roamer looks better, I think. I, I, for my... And my in my, case, what's funny so. is in my case, I was thinking I like the look of the bobber better. That's the same I, here. I do I like, like the, the I like I, the bobber. Better. I like the chubby front tires. I'll yeah. admit it. I like it. the At chubby point, front tire. I like the bob fender. Yeah. At this point, I'll admit when I'm totally becoming a victim of marketing, and I do like you know that was what we talked about with the Harley Davidson 48 or you know whatever. I do yeah, like I that chubby front tire. You know, the, and I've always liked the like the um, soft tails. Yeah. With the big with a 21 inch in the front. Right. I got a Honda Shadow 1100 with your name on it. Yeah, I'm telling you that. I, I know it's not as stable, mm-hmm. and it's not. It can't take the load. But you like the traditional. I'm not going to say chopper look, but you like the traditional look of Chrome a chubby tire in the back and a tall right one in the front. Now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, how is this motor different than a V7? Oh, it's See? different a lot. It's uh, isn't it redesigned? Yeah, it's a totally. It's a kind of a ground up motor. The uh, it's totally a ground up motor. <laughs> What does it say? Yeah, I'm not making tonight's podcast, and I'll be lucky to make it home. That's Johnny Chrome, folks, giving the check-in from Porco. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you get to Porco early, you might have to stay late. Sometimes that's the rule with Porco. I'm sure he's feeling the full effects of tiki awesomeness. The, uh, especially on a cold day. Painkiller level two. Painkiller level two got him going. It's a cold day. It's 42 degrees. So you know you got to do a little recovery work. Yeah, the uh, but yeah, I definitely th- the the eight fifty motor. It's I think more than anything, it's going to give them uh, and mine. It's going to give them something that can be thrown against all the the nine hundred bikes and stuff because the power output's real nice. The well, torque is great. This, they're describing the power output as smooth and mm. torquey, which I'm assuming means. It's not a high-revving oh, No, it's not going to be a high-revving bike because that's just not the way of the V-Twin. Yeah. That's not the way of, at least especially not the way of Moto Guzzi's V-Twins. It's going to be the typical Moto Guzzi. It's going to be really smooth. smooth it's going to be torquey. And it's going to last forever. You know, you that. And that's kind of what they're going for, <laughs> they're, uh, and, which is totally fine. I do love the new gas tank. The, the gas tank that looks like they stole it from the Triumph X-75, the, the Hurricane. Like, seriously, that gas tank looks exactly like the Triumph, old Triumph Hurricane gas tanks, which I I think it looks good. I, I think it's too. very good looking. The seat doesn't look like it's going to be thick enough for anybody. The seat, just looking at the seat makes my butt hurt. It looks See, I like, like... I like hard seats. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> like a, it looks for like me, a, it would be good. But Steve likes his butt hurt. It looks like a Triumph Scrambler seat where it's like it does. two inches thick. Well, I don't know if you guys remember, but years ago... 
in all the catalogs, um, and I'm sure we've all owned these motorcycles, but you get a CB750 or a CB450 comes in, and it's got that button-tufted seat that is about an inch thick on a wooden board or a metal plate that was the custom seat back in the day, in the 70s, that all, everybody put on their bikes when they did a rigid conversion, and it's got that look. It's got the white piping across the top of it. Uh, they're they're really going for that look, and I, I do think the motorcycle looks really nice. I, it's a good-looking bike. I'm calling the Romer the Moto Guzzi Sportster. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what it is. That's kind of what it is. It's uh, That's definitely what it is. What's the price point on that? We don't know. Nobody knows yet. Oh. Yeah, nobody knows yet. It hasn't even been. And you know what? As, bucks. as a dealer, it hasn't even been dangled out in front of us yet. But here's the good news is, you know, Triumph went to uh, <clears throat> Triumph went to Thailand for the production of their 1200. Well, Moto Guzzi's not going anywhere. These are all still hand-built in Italy. So, you know, you're going to get that quality. So that's pretty awesome. The... Uh, the oh, other thing... I was going to go with the Triumph comparison a little bit later. But oh, yeah. Well, we'll the, the next one is going to be... We're going to talk about one of those strangely named bikes that I still... It took me a little while to decipher it. But the motorcycle's called the Moto Guzzi MGX21. And it's based on the 1400 California. Wait, what's the other part? Flying, flying Fortress. fortress. Exactly. Yes. Fortress. The Flying Fortress. fortress. Now, was the... I'm, the Flying Fortress was the B-17, right? B-17, yeah. That was the B-17 bomber was the Flying Fortress. And wasn't it the B-17 bomber that dropped all the bombs on Europe? Probably yeah. some of them landed in yeah. Italy. No, B-52s. B-52s? Uh, uh, That's a Stratofortress. Strata and the uh, B-24s. But the Flying Fortress... B-24s were Liberators. Yeah, B-25s that's my grandfather Mitchells. flew. B-25s were Mitchells. I thought B-29... Not sure what that one was. Well, but the anyway. bike is just a little bit smaller than the... It uh, is slightly Fortress. smaller than a B-17. Yeah. Uh... The, uh, but same I, curb weight. <laughs> no, there, it is. Well, it is lighter than anything Star produces, so it a lot is easier to push start. Yeah, so I, I saw the picture of that. Yeah, F six B. F six B. Exactly. It has this long, streamlined tail that has bags built into it. It's got integrated luggage, which is nice because Ooh, the prototype gosh. of it had just slab sides that went to a fine point at the back. And they've kind of abbreviated the fine point at the bank, and they've put actual usable luggage on the bike. It has, for the first time, uh, for about the past three years, I said, if somebody says the word Batwing around my shop again, I'm going to punch them in the dick. Because <laughs> everybody always says, oh, that, that California 1400 is cool. Can you get a Batwing for it, fairing for it? Let's call it because, like a road glide. Because all of, the, uh, all of the people that want baggers now, baggers, 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 they all have Batwing fairings on them. Well, it's because they all watch Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, exactly. The Batwing is the most popular selling fairing available through any manufacturer right now. It's going on everything. Well, for the first time ever, Moto Guzzi can hold its head high and say they've earned the name Batwing because this <laughs> fucking thing oh looks God. like a bat. It has got more angles in it. Whoever sat there and carved that fucker out of clay. Yeah. Two, two nice prominent boob humps. Two boob humps. A double bubble. I'd like to a see that thing in a wind tunnel. Side. Who knows? Who knows? Um, the advertising, I'm going to put links up for the European for advertising. Yeah, <laughs> for your eyes. The links up for the the advertising thing, they're basically saying that this this spaceship is coming to Earth to invade our asphalt. And the video, <laughs> the post-apocalyptic video that they shot for this bike basically shows what I said. I look like Blade coming out of a factory, and it's poorly lit, and there's you know wet 
metal and steel and big crane Looks like hooks. the Assassin's Creed guy. <laughs> it does. It's so <laughs> fucking crazy. I mean, we'll sh- we'll put a link to the video in the show notes, yeah, but you've got to cool. watch the video. Um, Fletch said, Fletch said that the video for the Roamer was so Camaro that he wouldn't even let me watch it in the shop again because he could not stand to watch it again. It made him feel bad about himself <laughs> or question himself just watching the video. Well, did so. you one, was, was it as bad as that Royal Enfield one? <laughs> you know what? I haven't seen terrible. it, but not many things could be worse than that Royal Enfield <laughs> Continental GT video. Well, speaking of their advertising yes. uh, taglines, they got one that says, Landing at Sturgis. Yes, now that South is Dakota, that's which, the which, Flying Fortress. Well, right, right, but I think it's interesting that they've decided, okay, here's what we want to compete with. This is the market that we have to get into, and it is nothing more than the big American bagger. That's what we want to compete Here's the with. rules. When you're a fox and you're going to go get yourself a, a chicken, right, you don't go... To the dairy farm. You know, you don't go to the steer. You don't go... No, you go to the fucking hen house. And that's Gootsy's concept. They did this last year. They want to get people off of Harley-Davidson's and get onto Moto Gootsy's, which I can tell you is the person who's taking the trade-ins, they're doing. The most popular bike that's traded in towards a California 1400 at my shop is definitely a Harley-Davidson, by far. It's put me in an awkward position of having to sell a lot of Harley-Davidson's. Yeah. So, so another tagline they got in there is the future of the bagger. Right. Forget all you know. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. you know, somebody's sitting there deciding, okay, yeah. we got we to gotta get into this mess. This is a bagger that has three traction control settings. It's got completely, you know, you can adjust the motorcycle to be how you want it to be. It's got cruise control. It's got, you know, the heated grips. It's got everything that a lot of these other machines don't. I'm riding around this week on a the Yamaha, I'm sorry, Star XV1900A Roadliner, which is $15,900 for the base model. And it has nothing. It doesn't have any traction control. It doesn't have any ABS brakes. It doesn't have any kind of uh, cruise control. It has nothing. It, it's, you know, it has a speedometer, it has a odometer, and it has a trip meter. And that's it. That's that's the essence of the data that you're getting from this motorcycle. That's there's no immobilizer system. There's nothing. It's nothing. And the Gootsy does come with all of that shit as standard. You know, you don't even have to opt out of it. That's part of the so bo- motorcycle. You, so, so as a Gootsy dealer, how do you feel about being a future bagger salesman? Well, you know, the thing is when we started selling the California 1400s, which was a real change for us because we are not We've never been a power cruiser or hot right. rod cruiser dealership ever. We had to kind of start learning about cruisers. We had to start realizing what the people wanted when they were buying a cruiser. The funny thing was, everything that they've asked for, all that they like, well, can you, you know, once again, the Batwing, your Batwing Ferry, what kind of bags can you get? Well, can you custom seats? And the, you know what? This Flying Fortress, and it's going to make me cringe for the first 200 times I say the name, this bike is giving them everything they asked for. And when they launched the California 1400 at Sturgis, and they launched the Eldorado at Sturgis, and they launched the Audace at Sturgis, they're doing it because they want those fuckers walking around who are all kind of tired. Maybe they feel a little abused by the Harley-Davidson system, or maybe they feel like they're tired of being sheeple. They're tired of being one of 20,000 Harleys at Sturgis. Maybe they want to be a little different. I hope they only build 500 of them and make it some sort of an exclusive thing. Yeah. Because I don't think there's enough people walking around saying, oh, fuck, I want to buy 
a Moto Guzzi. <coughs> I think right. that's just the nature right. of Moto Guzzi. Moto Guzzi's are never going to sell as many Harleys. No, nobody. They they, they can't produce them. them. They you can't come close to it. Guzzi, you've already owned something that most people don't own. Exactly. You're already different. But I so. think you're seeing the uh, uh, wholesale abandonment of Harley. <clears throat> yes, we are. With Indian. Yep, we are. Victory. People Indian. are running away from Harley Davidson. Can't answer. It's because. Yep. It's true. Because of their uh, system. Yeah. It's their their salespeople are abused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their their bikes are overpriced, yep. and then you get you spend a lot of money for a, a base bike, and right. all of a sudden they want to upsell you on right. every single freaking thing right. that you could possibly get. No, it would be considered they, they to be upsell a... you an entire motorcycle on top of your motorcycle. That's right. That's right. right. You, know, you buy a motorcycle for a huge premium, yeah, and they basically sell you another motorcycle on top of it. Sure, because you you could have just went and bought a, a Yamaha. Right. For the price of the upgrades they want to sell you. Absolutely. The guy, guy at work was telling me a story. He, went, he was working on his Harley, and I didn't even know it was a fat bob, whatever. But he needed a clutch cable. Right. Goes into the dealership. Yeah. Clutch cable, 30, 40 bucks, whatever. That's, it's that's a, the it's rule, a clutch right? Cable. It's clutch it's not cable. hydraulic clutches no. or anything. It's, it's a, a cable. Clutch cable. It has t- oh, one moving part. We're going to have to order that. And he, he made the brilliant system. So he's like, wait. A clutch cable, which the same clutch cable was probably on every Harley produced from a certain year to a certain I'm going to assume that... You yeah. have to order a clutch cable, but if I need a Harley-Davidson dog collar, I can go right over there on the <laughs> fucking... <laughs> I can go right over there on the fucking shelf and get one? Right. So something that I will never... Something that I can never possibly say that I need, you have 50 of. But something that we can say I absolutely have a need for it immediately, you have zero of. So it's seriously, it's like you're putting inventory management. Right. Yeah. Shit. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> that's a, that's why Radio Shack closed half the stores because right. they used to be you could go in there and buy any electronic part. that you needed, and then they started yeah. bringing in Chinese trinkets. Right. And then they got rid of their whole their well. Uh, then they parts started inventory. selling cell phones. Yep. Right. Yeah. And computers. Cases. Where the money was, their, they lost yeah. their focus. And, and Harley Davidson is yeah. now an apparel store. Right. Second and motorcycles are secondary to. They're that. in a parallel store that sells motorcycles. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what it's turned into now. Is the Harley Davidson experience is sort of turned into display and deliver. So it's like display. <clears throat> you're showing the customer where they, what they might want to buy, <coughs> and delivery <clears throat> is just fulfilling their order. And here's your bike, sir. Here's the key. You know. And it's like then Jonestown. It, <laughs> we thank you for participating in the Harley Davidson marketing program. Please sign on the line here Jim and, Jones. and give us give us twenty percent of your income in the next year or here, the next drink, ten years. And drink this. And you know the what I will say about the that customer, the people that have bought the California fourteen hundred customs, either at our store or on their own, have all added the accessories to them. So they are doing. The consuming. They are buying the bike and then... They're Harleyizing them. Yes. They're personalizing the motorcycle. They are personalizing the motorcycle into something different than it was when it left the factory. And I think the motorcycle's fine the way it left the factory. The only thing I put on the Eldorado was a set of pipes. Because that, to me, the bike looked great the way it was. The pipes gave me the sound I wanted. So that style of person kind of, I think, might have that ingrained in them that, Mm. okay, I bought a motorcycle. Right. And now accessories. I've bought the right to become a consumer for you. Yeah. Like, right. they, they feel that they need to buy the accessories. That's true. I've been fighting that with the DRZ. Like, oh, God. There's a billion things you can put on that DRZ. I know. I bought it. I'm like, I'm For not a small, anything. lightweight motorcycle, they've managed to give points. you two more motorcycles with the shit you can put on there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the weight. Yeah. There is no shortage. You could spend $3,000 making your DRZ lighter. 
You right. could spend three thousand dollars making less motorcycle. You know. That's, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to step into that trap. <laughs> I'm not I promise I'm not going to step into that trap. $3,000 making less horsepower, which people have done. Absolutely. Why, the, I mean, the one yeah. thing I will buy for that bike, yeah. if I find it at the right price, right. is the set of e-carbs. So you're being, you're the, the, totally, di- like, you have got yourself zeroed into, this is the product I want. Yes. And I'm going to, I'm willing to wait for it to pay my price. Yes. And that's the definition that's the of a careful slide, consumer. The flat slide carb for that bike. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, right now it's got the CVTs it's on it. It's a CV carb in it. Is it a the bumper f- carb? Uh, no. Accelerator pump? No. Uh, no, the flat slides are. The flat slide does, yeah. yeah. The flat side would have to. That's from the yeah. E model, which is the off road only model. Right. It's a dirt but, bike carb. Yeah, that's but they button want. right up to it yeah. and boom. Of course, because you know, it's a dirt bike. <laughs> so That's the advantage of buying a dirt bike that's been turned into a street bike, is all the dirt bike shit still fits on it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, unfortunately, most people know that. Everyone covets those of carbs. Course. Absolutely. So, like a piece of shit, one that needs to be rebuilt, sells right. for three hundred dollars on eBay. Which is funny because you know that part from the dealership is probably a part that would consider to be a fine profit margin at two hundred and fifty dollars. But once again, they know that they can get more, so they sell it for more. Yeah, yeah I know Sudco uh, yeah. will do one for you for around three hundred fifty bucks. Exactly. That's what I was. That's what I was figuring. Yeah, yeah and and you can you can. Uh, Tell them like what mods you've done sure. already. Like oh, I've, got right the, I've, got, I've got the hot cams. Right. I've got the uh, the full Yoshi exhaust. Yeah. And got- that's the advantage too about buying a motorcycle that has been in the system for a long time. It's been proven out, and everybody fucking knows. Like this guy tried these ten <clears throat> things. These two things worked. So you can now learn from that and and save all that stuff and just buy the fucking thing that works. Pre sorted. Pre sorted. I love it. Yeah. yeah, and with Sudco, you they'll dial it in for you, yeah. and they'll they'll find like. A point that they think it, it, it'll work yeah. from what you the data you gave them, yeah, and then they send you a fucking bag of extra jets, yeah. So you can, you have so you some can do tuning, your own tuning. You can mess around, you know? yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you know, I I might go for it uh, this winter. Mm-hmm. This winter, I'm going to be playing a lot more with mapping. My my knowledge base for actual oh, mapping, you fuel injected guys. That's right, because <laughs> fuel injection fucking works. And it I wouldn't does. be the least bit surprised if by the end of the winter there's not a fuel injector on my KLR 650. Yeah, that company. I, I'm I've, seriously I might, I might learn how to fuel inject my DR. Yep. Yeah, I'm not joking around. They make a plug-and-play kit for a DR 650. So mm-hmm. you make, you know, you literally click one button and they send you a kit that's proven to work on a DR 650. Is that a Megascorp? No, it's... Uh, Ecotrons? Yeah, thank you. Ecotrons. And, like, <laughs> that would even be a motivator for me to buy a DR 650 just... To have that like plug and play fuel injection to go on that motorcycle. The DR is the latest of the 650. It is. Class. Yeah. Well, how can it be plug and play? Because you need an O2 sensor. So it comes it in the all kit. All of it. All of it. But you're going to eventually have to tap and weld a bung into your. You header. might have to go as far as doing something like that. Yeah. Okay. I think it's saddled. Isn't it? I think it is saddled too. Yeah. I but think it it's saddled. Has a, it has yeah. a, a temperature sensor that just you loosen one of the bolts yeah. on the motor to do. And you put the. It stem- has a fuel pump. It has everything right. you need in one kit. It's kind of genius. It's like and mass airflow sensor everything. everything. It's got the Damn. full fucking kit and caboodle. And, you know, for somebody who's going to own a motorcycle like that, it is a big dirt bike. But you're going to try to drive it like it's a street bike. And because of that, the KLRs and the DRs and all that stuff, I think that's a per- – if you're going to street one of those motorcycles, fuel injection is the right place for those bikes to go, which, due to our EPA laws and all it's the other countries, happen. are there already. You know? It's um, 
And it's going to happen within the all next of them. few years. Right. All these 650 class Enduros are going to come out fuel injected. You can't buy a fucking Vespa 150 that's not fuel injected. Mm. I can't believe it's it's taken so long. That's the excellent oh, crap, statement. The, the freaking Honda yeah. Grom is fuel injected. Right. And it's that kind of logic that that really is fuel injection does work. Fuel injection not only is it the wave of the future, it's the wave of the past. But I think that's what I'm going to focus my energy on this winter is learning how to be more knowledgeable oh. <laughs> about mapping and to uh, to be able to offer that to my customers. Now that Ecotron system, I think you can hook it up to a laptop. Boy, that change, I've read the, the program map. and everything's super simple. Today it, we bring you 1998 technology. Boy, ain't that the fa- ain't that a fact? <laughs> 1988 technology. Ain't it, right, 1958 technology. If you were driving a Corvette, you know, so. There's been plenty of fuel-injected vehicles for the past 50 years. The trick <clears throat> is getting them into mass-produced affordable motorcycles. We saw That's 10 years part. ago. Quick where, scroll, ni- 1950s Corvette Nomad. Look it up. Oh, the wagon? The wagon, yeah. Holy shit. Was that ever produced? A handful of them. Okay, all right. But if I never have to see Kugel Fisher mechanical fuel injection yes. again. Yeah, was it, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, was it mechanical fuel injection? <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I that do agree. Cool. Well, that's like that yeah, Druin supercharger I have. It has supposedly it's supposed to come with a fuel injection system. Wow! I don't. Wow! To me, what it seems like is the fuel is gravity fed to this right. thing that when you open it up, right. it lets the fuel. It lets fuel go it in. It lets fuel go in. It's right. not. Is it injected? It's well, not pressurized. Right. It's not anything. It right. just will. It will dump fuel into right. the motor. <laughs> if by injected you mean gravity, then yeah, sure, it's injected at one atmosphere. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Then you have your Frankenstein Bosch KE. Yes. Oh my God! There's been <laughs> or what is it? Uh, Jetronics. Jetronics. Yeah, Jetronics. There have been so many bad fuel injection systems that the stuff that we have now. I have an Aprilia scooter at the shop right now. It's 50 cc's, and it's fuel injected. Holy shit! I mean, it's a 50 cc bike, and it's fuel injected. That's kind of cool, in, in like in a weird, weird way. Um, I dig that. The uh, the, bikes, the only thing is that they will not survive the zombie apocalypse. Though. Well, I think you're probably right there. But it, it, it is... You need a Magneto. Well, and having... You know, if we're worried about EMPs, then by God, we're all going to need Magnetos. But Store I, your bikes in a shipping container and you'll be fine. Right. Yeah, that's all the, that's all the Faraday cage you really need. It's a nice big steel shipping container. The... Uh, what... I mean, did you see anything from the ICMA show that turned you on? Like, that... that Blew your damn doors off? It's it's all becoming it's all the becoming same to me. Yeah, and it's all I mean, kind of it seems like the companies are it's just like like cars. Mm-hmm. Every car looks to me like a Camry or a, oh they all they all look like aerodynamic blobs with four doors. Right, like and a motorcycles modern, seem to have yeah Ferrari esque you know. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, very hard if you if you took away the paint jobs. Every 600cc Supersport, I would have a hard fucking time defining which one was which right. at all. I mean, there's no way to determine. And frankly, in the cruiser market, when you're looking at all the bikes from Suzuki, all the boulevards, the M109s and the C50s and stuff like that, and you're looking at the big Kawasaki's and you're looking at the big Hondas, it's very difficult and the Harleys to... From, oh, matter. my God. The Harleys, good luck. But it's hard from 50 feet away... To have an identity in the cruiser market, unless you're doing something wacky like the DFL or like the Flying Fortress, you know, uh, you know these bikes. It's very hard to find something that stands out, and it, you know, and motorcycles are a personality drug. 
You know, we do want we do buy motorcycles because they're personality drugs. Now, I don't think that that statement I just made would sound weird if we took it back 30 years and said, hey, it's 1975 or 78. Show me a GS 850, a a Yamaha XS 750, a CB 750. Those fuckers all looked alike, too. You know, I think if I was going to embark on any motorcycle project, it would be. Walking Dead, Daryl Bright. I would build my own. Your own version of that. I'd start with like an air-cooled uh, four-cylinder sport mm. bike. His new one that he has. Yeah, the new one. I kind of, that would, I think, that would be That fun. presses your buttons. Yeah, but the market is follow the leader. The, yeah, the market is follow the leader. And by the time <laughs> anybody comes up with something innovative, they're already five years out of date. And that's that does challenge development. And for every company that takes Unless a huge. Unless it's the sport bike. Or unless you're yeah, Honda yeah. and you bring out everything four years after the trends. Honda is <laughs> consistently four years behind. They bring out the best version of it because they've had four years to figure it out, but they are consistently four years behind everybody else's innovation. Although I would say the Fury is not the best version of anything. <clears throat> no, the, the Fury was the mass-produced Jesse James bike. De Fure. De Fure. <laughs> I still call them, you know what, when they come into the shop and I work on them, I still call them Honda Furries. <laughs> Because <laughs> they're just like, oh, look, it's a stuffed animal version of a Jesse James bike of some sort. You know, it is that patented shape motorcycle. And every time I ride one, they all feel the same. They all feel like this was a horrible idea. This was a terrible <laughs> idea. Who the fuck said, let's make a lot of these? You know, custom weirdo bikes like that are meant for the people that are outlandish enough to ride them. That was the thing. It was like, it's got a rigid back end, it's got a 21-inch front wheel on it, and it's really, really hard to ride because the forks are 10 feet long. That bike in Bruce's garage. That's a prime example. (coughs) Like, those motorcycles were built on two things. I want to be a fucking individual, and drugs are cheap, you know? (laughs) And I couldn't ride that bike that Bruce has a mile if it was anything other than a straight mile. And even the first 20 feet of that mile would be deadly. When I rode Kevin's extreme Honda CB750 chopper, it's the same thing. There's a wheel in the front, a wheel in the back, and a series of flexibilities and wobbles in the middle that you have to orchestrate and get the flop of the handlebars timed right with the fall of the motor to make the thing go forward. And hopefully you get everything in motion Mr. before you actually fall off the fucker. You've got to kind of relax a little bit and let it kind of just do what it's <clears> Well, and that's do. the drugs. I think it's really one of those things that you can't ride one of those bikes straight. And I mean that both ways. Like, like it's, it's really like you have to be at least this fucked up to have a chance on this motorcycle. You know? If you just have no desire much on it, it ain't going to work. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I have no desire for any of that shit. Well, I like yeah. a functional bike and... I mean, going through the, going through every type of bike. I mean, yeah. I, you seem to all. I always seem to come back to a standard. I think no matter you might want the change. Yeah. Over a while, you start out with. I started out with a standard. I went through everything. It came back to a standard because yeah. it seems to be the most logical riding position, and it gives you yeah. the best control. You want to so. talk about the difference between modern, practical, and functional, and modern and not functional? Talk about the Fury. Modern, not functional, not practical. Right? There's a lot of bikes that are that way. I rode one <clears throat> utilitarian motorcycle just this week, 2007, unencumbered by fuel injection, unencumbered by technology, unencumbered by a fifth gear, 
unencumbered by, well, a lot of things. It's a Ural. A 750cc Ural, or an Ural. I'm going to tell you, it came into me with 6,500 miles on it. Obviously, it had either never had a valve adjustment in its life, or or it just had one 600 miles ago, and that's how they are. So, but when it came in... Did it have a sidecar? Yes, of course it had a sidecar. Or the valve seats were made out of butter. Exactly. So this thing, I pick the bike up, and initially when I start the motorcycle, as soon as I start it, I'm like, oh shit, shut it off. There's something wrong in here. Like, I thought for sure something important in the motor had let go because of the noise it made. Because I have BMWs. I have BMWs from 40 years before this bike was built. My 69 BMW sounds a hell of a lot better than this 2007 Ural does. Yeah, but the 2007 Ural is actually a 1942 Ural. <laughs> <laughs> Ural has been built since 1942 exactly the same way. Unencumbered, by, <laughs> unencumbered by the progress of technology. On the same tooling. <laughs> right, yeah. It was pretty bad. And so uh, it was, it was the all of the... were ice cast. Each, <laughs> each one of the carburetors had its own choke. So not one choke, but two separate chokes. Now, not even tricklers? No. Not even ticklers. It was it was truly it was seriously two individual chokes because that's how honest this motorcycle and, is. And the summer started on the left. <laughs> right. And, and the, the winter, winter started, started on, on the right. On both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it had uh, it had two independent chokes. Um it was terrible. And it, it and I rode it just I wanted to ride it once before we worked on it to get a good before. What does a Ural with 6,000 miles feel like? And what it feels like is the cylinders never happen in any predictable fashion. Like, you don't get a chain of detonations that occur when they're supposed to consistently. It's probably got such a wobble in the cam that it's It was like, pretty bad. It was pretty bad. There was a lot of shaking going on, a whole lot of shaking going on. Mostly. Yeah, and there was a whole lot of snorting and coughing and spitting and angriness. What's worse than even that yeah. is those Chang Jangs. Well, I won't touch those. That's and scary to ride. A guy I mean, called you don't me even know what the hell's going on in that motor. Is that the uh, Chinese Euro? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's early. even more archaic. It's more archaic, yeah. yeah. And uh, the, so, That Russian, that Euro will probably last forever. Well, I here's what I'll tell and you. It'll be scary and it'll make noise, it but it, it's like a Russian woman. They're built. Last. Four speed <laughs> transmission. Four speed transmission. Thank God. No, built wide and low to the ground for farming. Yeah. The, uh, thank God somebody for the American distribution of this motorcycle put a Brembo, a big Brembo caliper on the front of this motorcycle on that big, healthy, leading Earl's fork that it has there uh, because that did make it stop. The outboard brake. The outboard brake is an interesting system of levers that actually goes from your brake pedal through a series of rods and levers. Linkages. Linkages, thank you. Many linkages. Many linkages were harmed. All the way over to the right wheel, where it imparts some pressure on the outboard. This is the anchor. This is the anchor. This is truly the right turning device. It's another shoe down. It really does. It should. It should actually just put a shoe on the ground because that would work better. That would work better than the outboard brake that's on it now, which is a suggestion of stopping. Brake like a mini bike. Mm-hmm. That would also work better than what's on it. But so, I did. We did due diligence. We rebuilt the carburetors because 2007. It's got 6,000 miles on it. You know that it's had ethanol. 
So it was full of goo. It was so bad. We cleaned all those out. We reset the valves correctly. Got everything set up right. Uh, and we fired the motor. Full oil change. Air, air, all the things you should do. New spark plugs. And air it didn't sound insane. Did everything. No, it did, sound, it did sound much better. Well, the intake valve was so tight. The intake valve on the left cylinder was so tight that at no point was this valve ever actually closing. There was no way this valve was ever seating in its uh, seat. It'd be impossible. It was so it had tightened up that much. So we got the valves all within spec, and then the motor did run much much better. And now that being said, obviously broken in, obviously fresh twenty W fifty oil because it's a tractor, and with all that going for it, fifty miles per hour in fourth gear is the maximum speed that you will ever want to make this motorcycle travel <laughs> because it does not have attack. Because it does not need attack. Because you don't need to measure numbers that low. Those numbers just exist. <laughs> did that sound like a bike you would run a ride to Labrador? Mm-mm. Because I know somebody who did. Yep. And dropped a bell. It didn't sound <clears throat> like a bike I wanted to ride on 480 ever, the freeway. Yet I have a customer that rode one diligently for years on 480 at freeway speeds. I can't imagine this bike ever in its life happily, and this was with nobody in the car, ever happily going 50 plus because I just wouldn't want to put that kind of a load on that motor based on the noises it's it was making. It's geared way too low. It's geared way too low. And this is a two-wheel this is not a two-wheel drive. This is the tourist model. So it's not encumbered by the additional weight or drivetrain of the driven outboard wheel. Now are the push rod tubes on the top on that motor? Yeah. Okay, so that's like the old that's like the sixties style. Yeah. I mean it's yeah. 50 style. Yeah, it's fifty style. It's yeah. fifty style. It's fifties technology. Right. And you would think that they would have relocated them for better oil. Tra- well, you would think that that would be my worst sidecar adventure of the week. The worst sidecar adventure of the <laughs> week, the week was the guy that called You've got me more than one. Yes. So after I after I got done counseling the Ural owner on the telephone about his motorcycle, then the phone rang. I picked up and talked to a gentleman who had. I wish I could. I wish I would have recorded the conversation because he's got this Russian motorcycle. And it's like new, and it's like new, and it's like new, and it only has 1,200 miles on it or 1,800 miles on it. And it's like new, and it's great. I just need a tune-up because it won't start and won't run. I just need a tune-up. Okay. The engine's filled with metal shavings. Yeah. This is <laughs> this used to be Bob Feller's motorcycle. Oh, get the fuck out. And really? Bob Feller used to ride it in parades. And I said, well, when was the last time this bike ran reliably he goes oh bob feller was riding this thing in parades three years ago two years ago and i did a quick google check while i had him on the phone and i said you know bob feller died 10 years ago 11 years ago (laughs) so oops so i think maybe this bike's been sitting for at least 10 or 11 years right (laughs) (laughs) he's in the glove box yeah Yeah. so he was with it work around bob they just he doesn't care if you work on his bike (laughs) they just propped him up in the sidecar and put him in the parade and you know, this guy was like, you know, it's not Russian, it's Ukrainian. Yeah. <laughs> like, he argued, at, and the funny thing, every once in a while you have one he of those customers. He Ukrainian, then. He, every once in a while you have a customer that just argues you on everything you say. And I'm like, the gas, is, the gas is old, we need to replace it. No, the gas is only two years old, it's fine, you know. Oh, well, you know, you're, what year is the bike? If it's Bob Feller's bike, the bike has to be at least 11 years old. Because he didn't buy it from the grave. So the bike has to be 11 years old. 
And he's like, oh, no, the bike's only six years old. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. So he argued me on every single point. And I said, well, you know what? I don't work on those. And he goes, well, I see on your website you got BMWs. This is a BMW. And I said, dude, this is not even in the shadow of a BMW. This isn't even what comes out of the bottom of a BMW crankcase. This is a mess. He argued me on everything, and so eventually, what kind of bike was it? it's a it was a fucking Neepner. Oh, yeah, this is, <laughs> Neepner. this is horrible. It was a Neepner, and it was probably like that '94 era when they brought in a whole fucking slew of them. When the you know when somebody in the Ukraine went when the oh, wall came down. When the wall came down. When somebody in the Ukraine finally went, you know, we got a lot of these things laying around. The factory hasn't quit building them. Let's send them over to America where we can tra- charge four times what they're worth, and the dumbasses will buy it because they they got this fetish for sidecars. I just love that there's the motorcycle. There's one ex-baseball player that's looking for one. Mm-hmm. There's a motorcycle with uh, a name that something like Beaker from the Muppets would say. D-N-E-P-R. It's Neeper. pronounced just like it sounds. <laughs> How do you spell that? Just like Neeper. it sounds. Neepner. Yeah. It is one of the most fun motorcycle names to ever say, but I would never, ever want fucking... We've had three people I've encountered in my motorcycle fixing Wait, career. The anal Neepner. The anal Neepner. Oh, my God. <laughs> I heard you can get those burned off. <laughs> Got a massive anal Neepner. And then there was, a, there was an English bike that bought those bikes and put their mark on it. What? Yeah, because a guy on uh, Somebody... Riverside had it. Did you ever see that guy? Oh, that Riverside? guy in Riverside. Yeah, I've seen that. But that was an English bike. That had. Did that was like a Carlson or something, or it had like some name, right? But it was definitely yeah. a Neepner. I saw the bike. It was. Yeah. But yeah. they rebadged it as yeah. an English bike, yeah. so it was probably better than it, the English could have. You know, I've never seen that motorcycle running, but I've seen it pushed out in front of his house several times. And one time they called and asked if we would work on it, and I said, "Well, I got to come and look at it." He goes, "Oh, it's in the driveway right now." I was like, "Okay," because I'd never heard of the brand, and I kept trying to say, "It's a Neepner. It's a Neepner. He's like, "No, no, 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 no. It's." Not. So I drove by the guy's it's house. Dneptner. And it was that color. It's not green and it's not gray and it's not brown. Yeah, it's just it's like the, weird, the color is yeah. just what we call Eastern Block. It's just like <laughs> Warsaw Pack. Yeah. But and I. But what they did was they replaced. I think they the bike was st- exactly like it. Yeah, it was the same bike. Yeah. But they had different carbs on it. Mm-hmm. And they had that big rod that ran yeah. underneath the yeah. manifolds yeah. to keep it hot. To keep it hot. Yeah. So it wouldn't ice up. <laughs> it carb icing. It's like. <laughs> well, I drove by the guy's house. He was parked. He said he wasn't kidding. It was parked in his driveway. I jumped on a scooter. I ran down there real quick. Drove past the house. Pulled in the driveway. Saw it. Went. It's a fucking Neepner. You know? No Neepner. shit. Yeah. Neepner. I turned around Neepner. immediately. I didn't even knock on the door. I just turned around and left. Neepner. Went back and told. I told the people. I'm like, if he ever calls again, no, we're not going to touch that thing. And you know, there, you can't pay me enough money to to get deep into that project. That Chang Jeng that we worked on for that guy, which didn't have a sidecar, it was just the motorcycle, which was like a 2002 or something, that Chang Jeng, that thing was a mountain of horrors. You know, Chinese-built motorcycle, but, you know, no, it's fine, it's just as good as a BMW. Really? It was a mountain of horrors. Tell me how good it is. Tell me how it's just like a fucking BMW, and make me believe it, because it is not just like a BMW. It's not just like... It is, it, it is a one-way ticket to misery. And if you own one and you are going to wrench it yourself and you're going to keep it up yourself and you're, you've said, this is what I'm going to do, <clears throat> then that's fine and I fucking applaud you for it. 
When your problems become my potential problems, fuck off. My favorite's on Craigslist when they say it's a BMW and you know it's not. And <laughs> you know it's not. <laughs> it's like, did you buy it thinking it was a BMW or are you that stupid? Or this guy told me it was a Ural made by BMW. Come on. Made by BMW. <laughs> Come on. Stolen from the Germans. Right. Come on. Yeah. That was called that's, spoils. That's the story with the Ural in case we haven't said it or you haven't mm. heard it before. Yeah. The Ural came about. That was German. Repar- that was reparations after World War II. Right. The Russians got the plans for the BMW. Whatever. I think they just marched over the factory. Didn't they? Just and instead of burning the factory yeah. to the ground, they just started building shit in it. Yeah. I don't think it was even reparations. I think it was just, you know, the strategic. I think it was the strategic use of flags. <clears throat> they took down the German flag because that's where it was. And they put up the Russian flag. And congratulations, they named it after the Ural mountain chain instead of the Bavarian mountain and chain. And the Ural River. Exactly. <clears throat> right. Rather than calling you're it... you're all over here. You're all over here. Yeah. And you're all fucked up. And, Shit. And it is. And it is just one of those, like, don't ever make... But it was a great deal. The <clears throat> fundamental driving force behind your motorcycle decision. <clears throat> you know, it's just like a BMW. It's just like a Honda. It's just a like a this. Now. They're not a deal now. Like and sixteen thousand dollars. Right. Twelve nine for an entry level you're all for an entry level you're all. Twelve nine, you're paying BMW money and they hold they don't hold their value at all. They're they're worth nothing in the aftermarket. And there's still a forum for your all owners and when you go to the forum and you look at the problems the people on the forum are having. These are problems people had in the fifties. You know, there's just there's just pictures of people <laughs> hanging themselves. <laughs> but you know, I really want a Skoda, though. Yeah, I really want a Skoda. I so desperately want a Lada. The Vartberg. The so yeah, that's just. I mean, that's the basic advice. When you're going after a motorcycle, if you can't afford the motorcycle you want right now, wait three years. You'll be able to afford it then. Uh, don't buy something that's similar to it but affordable now because I think you'll probably end up regretting it. Any comments on the Moto Guzzi V7 to Stornello? The Stornello, real quick comment on that is real easy. They took the V7 Scrambler that they advertised to us starting last year that we've never been able to get the Scrambler kits in the shop for, yet I've got four of the bikes sitting there waiting for the Scrambler kits, um, and they tarted one up for Eichma with a white gas tank, a red frame, and red stripes on the side. It looks a lot like a candy cane. And <laughs> they're basing it on uh, the old Stornello. The old 50s bike was actually their sort of 125 super sport bike. It was their 125 racer. And then uh, at some point, of course, some people put you know knobby tires on it to go race it in the dirt. That's fine. And in the 60s and 70s, they came out with a 125 Stornello that basically was the cheapest Moto Guzzi you could buy. And to make it flashier, it had a red frame and a white gas tank with a red stripe down the side. So as an homage to a 125cc motorcycle that was the cheapest motorcycle Moto Guzzi could buy, but had a cool name on it, because Stornello is kind of a cool name. Uh, what do you think that means in Stornello? Yeah. I don't know. I have to look it up. Stornello, you know. Bobby Storm. I, I'm waiting for the Moto Guzzi. I'm waiting for the Moto Guzzi Stugats because that's the one I'm going to get behind big time. When they come out with the Stugats, I'm going to be like, right there, man. <laughs> Thank you, marketing department. You've been listening. Yeah, and that one will just say "fuck you, Harley Davidson." It'll just be called the Stugats, and that's the perfect, perfect Moto Guzzi name. But yeah, the Stornello was a very affordable motorcycle from the 70s or late 60s and early 70s that was trying to compete with the Japanese imports of the time. 
the small displacement motorcycles. They put the Stornello name on it because in the 50s and 60s, the Stornellos were very well-reputed racing bikes. They're small displacement racing motorcycles. And the Stornellos, if you see uh, one of the old pictures of an old red Stornello, they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. For a period (coughs) racing motorcycle, they're all curvy and sexy and really neat looking. And uh, the ones from the 70s weren't so good looking. They were kind of, you know. But but this is basically, it's a V7 Mark II Scrambler. Um, The good news is they figured it out and they are going to let us turn the traction control off which is a mandatory thing for if you want to go in the dirt. So they are they are going to let us uh, turn the traction control off the motorcycle. But, yeah, other than that, it's the Scrambler. It's a Moto Guzzi Scrambler. Uh, you know, same, 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 different paint job. Stornello is kind of folk song. <laughs> what? Kind or folk song. It's a type of a folk song? So a type of a folk song in Italy might be called a Stornello. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. This is a little song we used to sing Like home. a big pizza pie. That's Stornello. That's genius. Don't call <laughs> Phil before noon. Yeah, don't Stornello. call Phil before noon. <laughs> That's a great one. A folk song or like a little song we used to sing? A little song we used to sing is a Stornello. The, uh, if, if you guys do speak Italian and you're familiar with the uh, the history, the folk history of the term Stornello, please yourself. please contact <laughs> the podcast via clevelandmoto at gmail.com. Uh, again, I would like to thank everybody for listening to these fireside chats that we're having. Uh, it's it's just doesn't it just doesn't get a lot better than that. Uh, John's going to pass around the helium for anybody who'd oh. like to do a hit. <laughs> oh yeah, like to do a like to do a. a a hit on the balloon. We'll do the really we go in. the really chill lead out. The re- oh yeah, yeah. We'll do the very the very. Podcast. See, now we're in my driveway. So. Right, the driveway, the neighborhood podcast. Oh, you're gonna have to hold that hit a long time for me to drag mine. Yeah, yep. that's cool. Somebody else talk. All right, hey, that's right. It's me. It's Dustin. I'm talking on the Cleveland Moto Podcast. <laughs> All right then. I'm, now I'm hitting helium. I go. I can't get it back. I was still thinking of a hit. I'm trapped. Oh, fucking hell, I can't. I'm coming.